Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. What is up, Waffle Gang? I do hope you are well. My name is Mark, and today we're checking out some revenge stories. If you are new here, please consider hitting that like, that subscribe, maybe that notification bell too. As I always say, it hugely helps out our channel, and I cannot express that enough. It truly, truly does. <laughs> truly, thank you from the bottom of my heart for getting involved with the channel, and let's crack on with today's stories. Much love, guys. Now, our first story is a bit of a historical one, but it was a request from Angry Aussie Gamer saying, repeatedly blocking my car in a private parking. Good luck finding and getting your car out. Not sure if this is petty or pro, but it was certainly creative and extremely funny at the time. So I'll try here, which has end-to-end -end parking for two spaces per apartment and access to the parking levels one to five are done via a locked automatic roller door, which people can only get through if they have a remote for it or sneak through behind someone else. I only have a single car and sometimes I let my friend park in the space in front of my car if they give me notice. So I generally park at the back of the double space. Plus it's easier for my neighbors who have two cars. Earlier this year, a random car began parking in front of mine on Friday afternoons, meaning I couldn't go out with my car on Friday nights. Annoying, but not the biggest issue when you live super close to the city. This continued nearly every week over about five weeks when I didn't park my car at the front of the bay, which I began doing. But at times I planned to leave the space free for friends coming over or whatever, the car appeared again. I made repeated attempts to stop this behavior by leaving notes, which escalated into leaving printouts of a photo of the car with a license plate clearly visible and an explanation that if it happened again, I'd press charges and or have the vehicle towed. Well, it happened again, and this time it was still there Saturday afternoon when I had been planning on going away with a group of my mates. My guess is someone went out on Friday, got drunk and decided to pick up the car later, not concerning themselves with the inconvenience it caused anyone else. It clearly hadn't moved, as my aggressive note telling them to fuck off was still there sitting limply under the wiper blades. I figured enough was enough. It was time to have the vehicle towed. So I called building management and eventually calling a towing company who refused to help because the space was on the third floor and they can't get any trucks up to that level because of the height and space restrictions. Ordinarily, most people would be pretty much screwed at this point, and I will admit I briefly considered sitting on the hood of the car until the jackass came to pick it up while sending my mates on their way without me. But they would have had to work out a new arrangement for transport as one car wouldn't have cut it. Fortunately for me, however, my parents only live 30 minutes away and have a garage where I work on one of the cars that's getting at the tail end of minor restoration. One of the things I use pretty often is a set of vehicle positioning jacks to jam my project car right up against the wall of the garage to minimize the space it takes up. For anyone that doesn't know, vehicle positioning jacks are basically devices that slot under each wheel and then lift the car up on hydraulics so you can freewheel it any direction. While I hadn't originally gone to retrieve them, when I had to take my project car off them, a bright idea came to my head. None of my mates minded spending an extra hour to screw someone over that had interfered with us. So we grabbed the jacks and went back, propped the car up and wheeled it out. 
Six guys can easily move around a small hatchback, so we pushed across the level slowly and carefully to an area where there isn't parking, but it's a load supporting pillar with space enough for a car behind it in a little section of the garage where it isn't lit and is completely out of the way. Typically, there's a guy on my level that parks a motorbike there, but he isn't meant to, and I doubted he minded. We dumped it between the pillar and the wall with a nose pointing towards the wall. I took back my angry note, the jacks, and we left to enjoy our weekend. When he came back Monday afternoon, after the long weekend, the car was still there, which no real surprise considering there was only about a foot of space of movement between the pillar and car, and another foot or so between the car and the wall. From the fact that the front wheels had changed, we're guessing they did try to get it out, unsuccessfully. It eventually went later in the week, though I'm not exactly sure how they managed it. I never saw that car again. <laughs> Info edit one, as requested my shitty MS paint graphic made in GIMP because of the way to break the mold to explain the positioning, now with animations. <laughs> For the record, I'm pretty sure we spun it around half a dozen times whilst moving it because none of my mates had ever seen the ease of which vehicle positioning jacks could move cars around. I probably could have done it myself since I know how they tend to move, but the two novices could have easily have done it extremely easily. Plus, there is something weirdly amusing about a dancing car as it slides in directions it was never meant to and that you only see in car crash dashcam videos from Russia. <laughs> Info edit 2. For anyone who doesn't understand how parking in my building works, it's like this. Two car spaces per apartment, but one car goes in front of the other. Hope that clears up why I couldn't just move the car out and leave it where it is. Edit 3. I'm an Australian for anyone who missed my username. Edit 4. A few people have asked why I simply don't park in front of my spaces. I don't always drive to work because I live close enough so my car stays home. My mates will need to go into the city every so often. Usually happens randomly like once a week. So if I leave my car at the front of the bay, I'd either have to go home to move it or tell my mates they're shit out of luck. I'd rather not take away benefit to my friends or because of the occasional jackass and a single persistent jackass wants to freeload too. At least my mates buy me a beer or pay for my gas occasionally. Plus the person parking in my space illegally is the one doing something wrong, not me. Info at 5, police also will not help unless the vehicle has been there long enough to be considered abandoned. However, cite that I'm within my rights to have the vehicle moved or towed, which as pointed out, won't happen because of the difficulty unless I pay a ridiculous removal fee, which is greater than the impound charge. And we're going to start with a monocle dragon on that one saying, that's hilarious. I keep thinking of the Austin Powers parking thing with how you described where the car got moved. That was going through my head as well. The car just going backwards and forwards till it eventually gets out and just completely ruined. And Silent Poison says, I'm just stuck thinking about the owner coming back with mates. I know I parked it here. Are you sure? Well, yeah, because the guy who's been leaving me notes not to park here is right there. Wait, you were told not to park here? Oh, shit. <laughs> I still want to know how long it took them to find the car. If they found it while looking around other spaces, whether they went calling impound lots. So many questions. And to Zenrick says, I had a person that liked to park in the road across my, across the end of my driveway and block me in. I left notes. I marked the driveway with cones and blocked the entire driveway with a sawhorse. Nothing stopped this stranger. One day, I was sick of it. I took some freezer burned fish, tossed tossed it in Tupperware container and left it outside my back door. The next weekend, the car was back. I took my blender outside and mixed up my rancid fish with some hot water and poured the slurry into every crack I could find on that car. They never parked there again. Notes, I was 21, immature and angry. I've grown as a person. <laughs> I've grown as a person since then. 
And Chris BRL88 says, old neighbors kept parking in my driveway after I bought the house. Tried to be polite, they came back with tough shit, get used to it. Sue, the old owner, was never home, so we use that drive all the time and we aren't changing now. Bottle of liquid ass, what? <laughs> in the ventilation intake and the base of the windshield changed that pretty quickly. These are the same former neighbors that also backed over a retaining wall and caused $10,000 in damage to my property and refused to pay. Fun fact, an insurance company can petition to have the state suspend somebody's driving license if they refuse to pay deductible on a claim against them. And if they're bad about checking their mail, they don't know about it until a cruiser's automated plate scanner catches their car and they get pulled over. The prize is a weekend in jail for driving under suspension. They don't live there anymore. And here's the destroyed wall pictures. I do love a parking dispute one me. I'm all over that. And moving that car into that space and getting them stuck is, I just, I'd love to have seen that. How about you guys? Have you guys ever had any parking disputes of your own? It'd be awesome to hear them down in the comments. And we'll move on to the next story. And our next story comes from chapter 8FF. Escalating feud leads to dad orchestrating his brother's arrest. My uncle has always been a self-righteous, petty slimeball with a foul temper and a grandiose idea of his own importance but little to no brains. My dad always just took it and tried to keep the peace because family is so important to him. This is the story of how my uncle finally pushed my dad too far and ended up getting arrested for his trouble. It is pretty long since it covers several months of a feud between them. As background, my dad and uncle are neighbors in a rural community of 600-ish people. My dad built the house my uncle lives in and sold it along with a small plot. So my dad's remaining land is about six acres and runs along the side and the back of my uncle's smaller property. My uncle is a dealer for HVAC units. My dad is in the HVAC business and would buy some things from his brother, even though his brother's prices were higher and he had a more limited inventory than other dealers in order to help his brother out. My dad also rented a building his brother owned and used it as his shop slash office. He only rented the building in the parking lot, but in the field out behind the shop, my uncle and dad both would collect old HVAC units. These things are rusty and all around fugly, but when they didn't have anything else to do, they could get one of these old units to break down for scrap. This story starts one day when my dad went to his brother and said he needed a certain unit, but his brother quoted him a really high price and couldn't deliver in the time frame my dad needed. So my dad called up another dealer he works with and that guy had a unit on hand to give him for a much lower price. A no-brainer. My uncle found out about this somehow. Dudes in the HVAC business are all apparently like gossipy teenage girls and confronted my dad, basically giving him an ultimatum that if my dad wouldn't commit to buying 100% of his units from my uncle, then my uncle wouldn't sell him anything. I already told you, my uncle is an idiot. So my dad didn't say anything to his brother but he took him at his word and stopped buying anything from him. A month or so later, my uncle showed up at my dad's shop and confronted him again, wanting to know why my dad hadn't ordered anything from him that month. When my dad told him why, my uncle exploded. They apparently had a screaming match and in the end, my uncle announced that my dad was no longer his brother and they were no longer doing business together and my dad was evicted from the shop. I will note that legally, my dad was not evicted because evicting him would have required a legal notice a certain period of time, etc. But my dad was over it, so he said fine and began converting the barn at his house into his new shop. 
So my uncle, who apparently had thought my dad would not call his bluff, showed back up at the shop a few days later and informed my dad that he also has to move all the old HVAC units scattered around in the field behind the property or it'd sue my dad for the cost of removal. Now this too probably had no legal power since my dad's lease was only on the building, not the field, and my uncle contributed to and used the old units as communal property. But when my dad is pissed off, he is really pissed off, so he agreed to move the old units. He took his tractor over and loaded each one onto his flatbed trailer, drove out behind his barn, and painstakingly arranged hundreds of rust bucket fugly old HVAC units an inch or two off the property line at the back of my uncle's house. Note that my dad could not see these things from his house due to the way his property is set up, but my uncle had a HD view of them in his backyard. My uncle started being even more of a creep than usual and was always spying on my dad's house. So my dad decided to build a privacy fence down the side of his property that runs along my uncle's property, but not the back of the property where the HVAC units are. The fence guys arrived and worked for a few hours before my uncle came screeching into his driveway and exploded out of his truck, already screaming because these poor fence guys had laid posts or tools or whatever temporarily on his side of the property line as they were building the fence. My uncle called the police, who basically told the fence guys, okay dudes, just don't put anything on this crazy man's property, and left. The next day, apparently someone left a hammer across the property line, so here comes my uncle screaming at them again. He called the police again, but by the time they got there, the guy had already moved his hammer, so the police were just annoyed by this point, but could only warn them not to do it again. Later that afternoon, my uncle called the police a third time. I kid you not. This time he wanted to report that my dad had stolen a backhoe from him, like one that attaches to the back of a tractor. One that, again, I kid you not, my uncle had given to my dad two whole years prior because my uncle didn't even have a tractor big enough to attach the thing to. The cop was not amused when this story came to light, and since it was the same cop who'd been there earlier in the day, she was beyond annoyed at that point. My dad helpfully said, come get the backhoe if you want it, knowing full well my uncle had no way of picking the thing up or haul it even a few feet to his own yard. My uncle replied that my dad was just trying to trap him and he would say he was trespassing if my uncle came onto his land, even though the cop was standing right there when my dad offered, and by the way, this conversation was taking place in my dad's driveway, he then said he wanted to file a complaint with the police that basically amounts to a restraining order against my dad. It isn't a restraining order because it isn't issued by a judge, but the cops treat it that way. It's for habitual trespassers. Annoyed cop helpfully informed my dad that this would mean that even if my uncle texted or emailed him and invited him to come over to his house to discuss things, even if that my dad had written proof he'd been invited, if my uncle called the cops or even took a picture of my dad on his property, he could potentially get arrested for trespassing. My dad said he wanted to file one against his brother too. The pro-revenge part of the story is now upon us. My dad knew full well that his brother had no real clue where the property lines were and was not going to dig up his survey to check. He only knew where the lines were because my dad knows exactly where they are and maintains wooden stobs in the ground periodically along his property lines. So when his brother was away for a few days, my dad moved all the old HVAC units along the property line over further onto his own property by a few feet and moved the stobs back to the same distance. But so basically it looked the same as it did before, except it looked like the property line was a few feet further back than it actually is. He then placed some random piece of scrap across the fake property line, still on his own property, but it looked like it was across the property line if all you had to go by were the incorrectly placed stobs set up a few game cameras aimed at the line and waited. Sure enough, his dumbass brother came storming out of his house as soon as he noticed the scrap on his side of the property line. 
across the real property line to get a good look at the scrap and called the police. My dad was waiting for them with his survey showing where the actual property line is, a copy of the report annoyed cop had given him and a game camera footage of his brother clearly trespassing on his land. And it was my uncle who got arrested. The only way his revenge for all the trouble and heartache his brother caused could possibly be any sweeter would it have been were annoyed cop who showed up at the scene and arrested my uncle. But alas, he had to make do with someone he and his brother had gone to high school with, which worked out since it was especially embarrassing for my uncle to be arrested by someone he knew well and who could make sure everyone else in town knew. Edited to add, nothing really came of my uncle's arrest or at least not that my dad has heard about and he'd hear about it since it's a town of like 600-ish people. But it was enough for my uncle to just get put in handcuffs, spend the night in jail and have people know about it because my uncle hasn't caused any more trouble for my dad other than generally existing when my dad occasionally has to see his truck drive by. My uncle is also now in a business dispute with his wife's sister and his brother-in-law, so presumably he is trying to take his anger out on another target who hasn't already beaten him. And also, who is an older and much larger brother who has been perfectly willing to beat his ass all over their lives whenever it's developed into physical disputes. My uncle, aunt, cousin and my cousin's wife all unfriended me on social media, so I only know what's going on with them via small town gossip nowadays. My sister was driving down the road recently, saw my uncle in his yard and waved at him. He turned away like he didn't know her. None of us got an announcement when my cousin's wife had her baby recently. So I think the end of the story is just that we are all dead to my uncle and his family, but he is too afraid to do anything besides pretend we all don't exist. And there was one comment in below and it said, it reminds me of the Tiger King story, <laughs> like a Netflix drama. And that's the way I'm seeing this one. It feels like there's going to be more happening soon. So we will be watching this space for more. And our next story is from Board BSEE. Project Skunk, an engineer's tale. Okay, originally this was posted over in r slash RBI, but they suggested a longer version would go well here. So here goes, I hope you enjoy it. Decades ago, I worked the worst crap job of my life as a software engineer, writing code for an OBD2 car code scanner at a completely dysfunctional business I'm not going to name, but I'll drop a hint and say all their products are all orange. It was right after 9-11, I was laid off and jobs were nearly impossible to find. But I managed to land one there and out of desperation, I took the job. And there I met probably the best friend I ever made at work. I'll call him Agent S. Agent S was a coder's coder, a really laid back guy and all around good egg. Imagine if the dude could code, you'd pretty much have Agent S. We have many wonderful overlong lunches working there. And I needed the calm he taught me because the place was nuts. All the departments poisonously hated each other. The head of engineering was a paranoid Russian Tsar, rampant abuse, theft, the works, a total madhouse. But eventually everyone has their limit and Agent S has put in his two weeks notice. Just to let you know how nice he was, he was the only person that quit that wasn't escorted to his car immediately by an armed guard, which was standard procedure. He was permitted to put in his last two weeks. So imagine my surprise when Agent S said, I want some payback before I go. Maybe a few days earlier, the paranoid Tsar of engineering gave us this odd missive. When you leave your desk for any reason, you have to take your papers on your desk and lock them in your desk. You are to lock your computer. You are to put a password in your BIOS and shut down your machine when you leave for the night. You are to erase your marker boards, leave no scrap of paper at any hint of what you are working on and no explanation why which was standard for him, just do it. Of course, we all wanted to know why. 
so our man in the field, I'll call him Bond, went about finding out. Bond was sociable and likable and had friends in every department in the increasingly balkanized organizational structure. I'll ask around and don't tell anybody. He found out. Engineering Tsar got word somehow that people in the sales department were working late and were waiting for engineering to leave. Once we left, they were going through our desk and computers looking for clues as to what we were working on. They would then copy this stuff down, claim it as a, a project I'm heading up and present the material to their superiors so they could look valuable and get raises and all that fun sales stuff. Yes, I know, sales is supposed to query their customers for features they'd like, then make proposals to engineering. I did say this place is dysfunctional, right? Engineers drove the product design since sales couldn't be bothered. And why should they, when they could just steal it instead, right? So Agent S had had enough. We made Project Skunk. All projects in this place were named after an animal. We decided to leave a hint in the name that all was not as it should be. And we dreamed up the most amazing OBD2 scanner in the world. Here are some of the specs. Since everyone knows 32-bit processors are more expensive than 8-bit processors, we would save money by using a 2-bit processor. The EE proms that held the automotive database were expensive as well. So to save space, we would use ZIP to compress the database 12 times and store it on a single 4K EE prom. Predictive analysts, if you enter in the last few codes your car threw, it would extrapolate and tell you the next part on your car that was going to break. I thought of this one, I'm especially proud of it. And so on. We spent a happy afternoon drawing up box diagrams with flux capacitors and n-dimensional grommets and a yo-yo dyne compensators. Lots of specs and analysis and other assorted bits of utter nonsense. We scattered them all over Agent S's desk, then went home. The very next day, our man in the field Bond gives us the news. Project Skunk is a hit. The entire building is buzzing over it. Salespeople are tripping over each other, taking credit. It took about a week before the stolen goods were finally passed upstream to the six-figure guys before someone with half a clue noticed that everything in the project was absolutely fucking impossible. <laughs> Agent S had left by then, but I tracked him down and we had lunch and told him the results of the ill harvest he had left behind. Sales had been seriously embarrassed in front of their superiors and the ones over them as well. I don't know if anything came of it. It was an old boys network there and I'm sure they covered for each other somehow, but they were embarrassed and they were hurt. How do I know? Every day from that day on, anytime a person from sales passed me in the hallway or something, they would physically turn their face from me to shun me. It was hilarious, like somehow I'm the arsehole for making fake stuff for them to steal. They went under not too long after that. The building is now a medical company supplying COVID masks. <laughs> I've just got this picture like a, of a big board meeting, like all the big wigs sat around the table and this person at the front with like a, a board in front of them with a flux capacitor drawn on it saying, this is the future. <laughs> Amazing. Anyway, guys, what do you guys make of today's revenge stories? Did you enjoy? I love a bit of revenge every once in a while. It just, I just love it. <laughs> How about you guys? Let me know if you guys have any of your own revenge stories. And if you have a moment of your time, please consider leaving a comment below because that massively helps out our channel and also hitting that like button too again hugely helps out thank you so much for your, your love time and support towards the channel it really does mean the world and it helps me do what i do so thank you so so much and i will see you hopefully in the next one take care guys much love
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 